Hey, it's McVixen the Podcast, and I'm your host, Queen. McVixen is your destination for lit womanist perspectives on pop culture, politics, media, and other incisive conversations, usually stolen from us from the mainstream to profit off of. Yup, McVixen isn't here to be polite or play around. We know black women, black femmes, and black folks impacted by misogynoir are the standard and not the exception. With our magazine, our RRL workshop series, podcast, and our YouTube channel, we will do more than just celebrate ourselves. We will always and forever turn the fuck up. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Queen. Thank you for chilling with me. I hope you are doing well. So we have done it. We have reached the close of season three of the podcast. We did it. We did it, y'all. We did it. (laughs) We did it. We have done a season. So I appreciate all of you for listening to this season. I did a lot this season. I got a bit personal. I took long breaks. And, you know, you stood beside me. You stood beside me. And I appreciate that. I really do. So if this is your first episode of the podcast, thank you for coming. Thank for coming through. Yes, this is the last episode of the season. But, you know, you could dig in the crates. I got other episodes. There's three seasons of this shit. Okay? So go through those. Listen back because it's good shit there. Season one and two, I mostly did interviews those seasons. So I have lots of conversations with black women and femmes for the first season and some of the second season. This season, I took a different approach and I did all solo episodes. And I actually, I think that's my bag. I think that's my bag. But even though that's my bag, I am going to switch it up a little different next season I think I want to do more of I don't know if this is what it's called but it's what I'm calling it I want to do more like a magazine format for this podcast and what I'll be doing is for season four the whole season will be a very deep dive into one subject obviously it'll be a subject that centers black women femmes and folks impacted by misogynoir but I want to do something a little more journalistic style I am challenging my myself to just do something a little different I had the idea and I was like go go for it do it so that's what I will be doing I'm also going to read a little piece for y'all from the recent newsletter Miss Vixen newsletter that dropped just to give you on some insight into why I'm making that change and if you didn't get the newsletter in your email it's because you haven't signed up so sign up for the newsletter the link to that is in the show notes I'll give you a minute to sign up so let me get to reading what the little a little snippet of what I put in a newsletter to explain the different style of podcast you would see from me and also the different style of how I'll be going about writing and even things for the YouTube channel. So I want to create things I love and enjoy the process of doing. I'll be working more long formed, meaning nothing just spur the moment and just cause I need to be current. The process is not sustainable and burns me out quickly, so hell not to that. I've been under the capitalistic notion that I'm only valuable based on how much I put into the world, and that's not how I want to live anymore. I want better quality projects, and that takes time for me. 
anything rushed is filled with lots of mistakes and that's not my approach to this work anymore i will be still and let things take the time they need to take to feel right not perfect but right so that's just some insight on how i feel about being a creator now and how i want to create things going forward next season is going to be fun it'll probably drop in the fall of 2020 i've already started i already know the topic of it i'm not going to tell you maybe i'll tell the patrons but i already know what topic we're talking about and how i i just have to write out how all eight episodes are going to go out and stuff like that like what's the story that's going to be told within each episode i'm really excited and you know stay tuned for next season it's gonna be lit let's do what it do and get into some community care community care segment is where i offer something to the community y'all my bitches y'all roll with me y'all my community so here's my offering for you this week this week i'm offering affirmations for artists all my patrons know that i do affirmation meditations i hadn't done any in a while last last time i did an affirmation meditation i actually created an affirmation meditation playlist i didn't record an affirmation meditation like i usually do they will be back on patreon so this is an affirmation meditation for artists and creatives Um, These are not my words. These are from Giselle Buchanan. I came across this on her Instagram page and she had seven affirmation for artists and I thought it was great. I came across Giselle Buchanan's Instagram page. I do have it linked in the show notes if you want to look at her page. And Giselle is a Caribbean-American writer, educator, and artist living in New York City. Giselle's mission is to liberate the lost artists and assist people from all walks of life in reclaiming their creative voice. So since this is the last episode of the season, I wanted to leave you with a meditation. These are words by Giselle Buchanan. Let's get into the meditation. So, Candice, could you please cue the music for the meditation? Ooh, I like this. So, with every meditation, we have to begin with breathing. So, take a deep breath in. And as you're taking in this breath, imagine all of the things that make you content entering your body. Now exhale. And when you exhale, you're releasing all that hater shit. All of it is gone. Bye. All right, one more breath in. and breathe out if you are able to close your eyes if you're not don't close your eyes don't come for me and try to sue me if you're in a car right now you crash okay close your eyes if you can and keep them open if you cannot it's totally fine let's begin the affirmation meditation please repeat every affirmation after me i am brave enough to do what i love badly as that's the only path to getting good. I will work with my energy and prioritize rest 
and regeneration as fiercely as I do creation and production. I will release the inclination to compare my journey to that of others. My path is solely my own, filled with its own blessings and challenges. I trust in that. I will trust and hone my instincts what is beauty to me? What does my personal mastery look like? What are my gifts? I treat myself as tenderly as a cherished loved one. When imperfections rear their heads where I once showered myself with cruelty and shame, I will offer a hand of care. I will not let digital numbers impact my creative self-esteem. An algorithm or a following does not affirm or negate the worth of my work. I will not be fearful when I feel lost because I've been there many times before. I will learn to embrace how exciting it is to not know and honor the growth that will inevitably bloom from that space. Take a deep breath in, in, in. And exhale. That is the end of our affirmation meditation for artists. And now let's get into the episode. In the last episode, episode 20, All About Love, we discussed love and self-acceptance. We discussed how essential care for yourself is, care for your community, and all the things like that. Today, though, today, though, today, though, we're going to talk about rage. We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about violence. I want violence always. Well, I don't want violence always, but I'm not scared of violence. And obviously, there's some trauma. (laughs) trapped in that because I shouldn't be so comfortable with violence but I wanted to use this time this episode to talk about the benefits of anger or rage also how we have been conditioned to not really address anger and rage we just mask it we just mask violence and we don't actually get to the root of it and solve it because we're so afraid and dismissive of it So what if I told you that rage, anger, and violence are also tools that are essential to the survival of community? This is something that I've been thinking about a lot this year. 
how our anger has been shunned and weaponized against us and and many of us marginalized folks instead of anger are taught or told to lean into humbleness or being a bigger person turning the other cheek not stooping down to the level of the oppressor, you know, so on and so forth. And although I understand how that works, and I do use that for instances in my life as well, I'm not removed from it. I really decide to be the bigger person. No, that's a lie. That's not true. There are times where I, no, no, it's the truth. I don't really care for being the bigger person, but there are times where I can be avoidant and just not even address something. I think I do that more so than being the bigger person. I'm not a proponent for being a bigger person. And the reason why I'm not, and I'm not saying this is right. This is just how I cope and interact with the world. The reason why I'm not is that I've never really seen resolve in that. I've never really seen peace restored for both people involved in whatever conflict is happening when one person decides to be the bigger person. I don't see the resolve in that, and I don't think that's resolution. I think that's why I don't generally fuck with it, you know? Because it's not. There's no resolve in that. And I want to make it clear that I'm not talking about, like, pettiness, being petty, or being, like, ridiculously stubborn. That is not what I'm talking about when I reject being the bigger person. I'm talking about the equity and harm reduction, and the restorative piece for all parties involved, which doesn't happen when one person in the conflict decides to be the bigger person. Have we actually really solved anything or have we pacified something? I see it be helpful in a moment, you know, for quick little fixes, but I don't think it helps us in the long run, honestly. Or it doesn't help me in the long run, and I have not seen it help other people with marginalized identities in the long run to continuously be quote unquote the bigger person so how does all of this stuff that I'm saying connect to rage and anger and violence and you know whatever I believe that no energy we create is wasteful none of it this includes anger this includes rage and this also includes violence. I don't think any of that stuff is wasteful. I think that all of it exists for a reason. And I think that reason, the reason it exists is what is dismissed and ignored and why we don't actually address anger and rage or embrace anger and rage. So anger and rage and also violence are reactive things that we do to restore our personal peace. So you'll get rah, 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 you're like whatever, you might fight, you might do all of that shit, but it's because you're trying to restore your personal peace. But in general, as a society, when someone acts in anger, acts in rage, commits violence, we are conditioned to just shun that person and not actually address all of the pieces that led to the rage, the anger, and the violence. We never examine how we landed here or how we got here or we're dismissive of how we got here because we only just look at this little snapshot of anger that happened or snapshot of violence and conclude that that's the only thing we're going to address and not all of the pieces, not the things that led to the anger, not the conditions or harms or whatever that happened before the outbursts of violence or anger, especially when the person committing the act of anger or rage or violence, if they're of a marginalized community, then we're extra 
dismissive. We generally want to de-escalate, stop the rage, and then throw away the angry, violent, or harmful person. And I get it. I get it. Because I want, in the terms of immediate, of wanting my immediate safety, I need those things to happen. I need this to be de-escalated. I need the rage to stop. I need the English violent person, harmful person, or whatever the fuck away from me. Hell yeah. Of course. Right? But I think that's all we do is get rid of the violent person, the angry person, the harmful person. And we don't address all of the pieces because we are not real about why anger even exists and I want that safety for myself I want immediate safety for myself you know I understand why that is the reactive thing that we do when it comes to anger and violence because you want immediate safety but for the community for the long term we have to look at anger differently we have to look at rage differently we have to look at violence differently the energy is relevant it's real And for a marginalized person, a lot of time that anger, that rage, that violence also provides safety for us. We try so hard to run away from being an angry black people that we dismiss our own anger, our own rage, our own feelings of violence. But when I say violence, I don't just mean physical violence. There's ways to emotionally be violent. There's ways to mentally be violent. You know, there's many ways to be violent. So please don't just think when I'm talking of violence, I'm only talking about physical acts. I am talking about them, but in conjunction with every other kind of violence that could be, you know, committed to other people. But those things, anger, rage, violence, have also been very important and our toolkit of community survival as black people. It's been very important for us. Anger and violence is what freed many enslaved folks in the diaspora. Violence in the U.S. amongst like enslaved folks to the white people that enslaved them scared the shit out of white people. And that is why, till this day, many of the slave revolts of the U.S. are unspoken because the power of anger and rage and violence is pretty dynamic and fucking phenomenal. Like rage, anger, and violence fuel revolution. And an easier way to pacify people and make revolution not happen is to make them feel disgust about their own anger and pain. Make them feel disgust and ashamed of their own anger and their own rage and also their own act of violence against oppressive systems. That shit is done to us on purpose to make us feel uncomfortable about it, to make us feel ashamed when we feel it, when we do it. Anger even has driven peaceful protests and activists. You know, Martin Luther King, a man that the U.S. hated passionately and murdered and has now pacified as this peacemaking figure that is done on purpose as well rage fueled the civil rights movement rage you have to be angry you have to be fed up and rageful to get to the point where you'd be like fuck that i'm gonna march in hard bottom shoes for fucking i think for the bus boycott was like what a a year a year and a half anger fuels that being fed up with the bullshit fuels that anger is a tool and we got to stop running from it or we got to stop acting like because we feel anger that we are not being good people it is energy that is within us on purpose 
it has a purpose and with any energy force you have emotion you have spiritual whatever the fuck however you relate to the world right obviously you just have to use it in moderation and not let anger be your only force you should have many forces you know so i wanted to talk about a lot of that because i do come from a background and i don't know if it's because of i was raised i was raised in a nation of islam i also was raised by two parents who were very comfortable with violence very comfortable with anger and not ashamed let me add of letting a motherfucker know you got me fucked up you know i come from a family that's very firm in that and i didn't really learn about peace in a ways that lots of people relate to peace and i don't want to speak in a vacuum but from my vantage point and definitely you know reach out if this doesn't land correctly but my vantage point being a muslim person in a place where everyone around me was christian i always felt that that peace stuff or that be the bigger person stuff was very Christian-like. And because of obviously being raised in a nation of Islam and the nation of Islam was very, yes, we are Muslim. But on top of that, trying to get black folks to break away from all systems that were brought to us during the transatlantic slave trade. So Christian is, Christianity is something that the nation of Islam is really trying to you know, push against or say black people don't need. So I'm not saying don't be a Christian or anything like that. What I am saying is that I always saw that as something that Christians do. Like they really like to turn the other cheek and be peaceful. And I thought that I didn't have that ability maybe because I'm Muslim. And that, yes, Muslims are peaceful. And, you know, yes, I'm not saying that we're not. But specifically being raised in the nation of Islam, my religion was also a tool for my liberation and like a tool for fighting for my liberation. So I think that is a part of why my vantage point has always been a little different or my relationship with anger and rage may be a little different. Yeah, it could be. And also in my childhood, because my family was so comfortable with anger and rage and violence it made me and this is why I think moderation is important because I do think my family you know they need to calm down (laughs) it was a bit it was a bit much but it did make me uncomfortable about rage and violence in certain ways I've come around now and I kind of get all of the pieces and I know how to make it look not look but in moderation I see how it can be used as a tool but I did struggle with seeing so much rage and or violence and or anger around me and I tried to separate myself from that but honestly it's a lot of what has saved me it's a lot of what has kept me safe it's kept me confident it's kept me assured in myself it has allowed honestly liberation for me because most people know not to fuck with me (laughs) yeah I kind of relish in those spaces that generally people say you're not supposed to relish in them it's fuel for me it does keep me going and even with having this relationship with anger or rage or even violence peace is the goal still peace is still you know peace is the expectation I think where I'm land now is that I just don't think the pathway to peace is absent of anger or rage or even violence I don't think so I don't think that I can be in a peaceful liberated state 
personally and societally, if I am not comfortable or acquainted with or fearful of anger, rage, and violence. So the goal is peace. There are actually two kinds of peace. There's negative peace and there's positive peace. So I'm going to just say the definitions of negative peace and positive peace. I actually came to this term of negative peace and positive peace by reading something about Martin Luther King. He used these terms a lot also. These definitions I'm going to read is not from the Martin Luther King piece, but it does give a good description of the definition. I got this from ironess.net. I will have the link to the full article in the show notes. I'm just using the definitions from here though. Negative peace refers to the absence of violence. For example, a ceasefire is inactive. A negative peace will ensue. It is a negative peace because something undesirable stopped happening, right? So a ceasefire. The conflict hasn't been resolved, but we have stopped the shooting. So no one is shooting anymore, but we haven't got to resolve the conflict. What? Why is this person shooting? Who are they shooting at? Why are they shooting at them? Can we make it so that they don't feel the need to shoot at these people anymore? So that's negative peace, and I think that's the kind of peace everyone kind of relies on because it's just instant. You stop the immediate harm, but as far as the big picture is concerned, you have not resolved the conflict. The conflict still exists. That person who was shooting, even though you got them to stop shooting, still wants to kill or harm that person or people they were shooting at. So that's negative peace. Then we have positive peace. The goal of positive peace is justice. The goal of positive peace is to restore peace for every individual involved. Positive peace is filled with positive content such as restoration of relationships, the creation of social systems that serve the needs of the whole population, and the constructive resolution of conflict. Another thing about peace that I don't think people get is that peace does not mean the total absence of conflict. And because people think peace means absence of conflict, that's why negative peace is so relied on. You think because there's a ceasefire and people stop shooting, that it's like, okay, whew, we're done. No, there's actually more work to do. We need to restore the relationships. We need to create social systems that serve the needs of the whole population. That's everyone involved in the community, not just one part of the population. So we don't just give services to the person who was harmed. We also have to make sure that the person who felt the need to shoot doesn't feel the need to shoot anymore because they also get the conflict resolved. We have all been conditioned to believe in a system of negative peace and only ceasefires because we don't get to the root of the anger, the violence, the harm. And I think these are the beginnings of the conversations of restorative justice and transformative justice ideas. You know, I do believe in a theory of restorative justice and transformative justice. I just have not seen it successfully practiced. I am also very new to the concept and idea and I will continue to explore it but right now I just have not seen it successfully practiced and I think it's because all of us only understand and relate to negative peace we cannot actively be restored with justice transformative justice motherfuckers if we only see peace through the view of negative peace and not positive peace positive peace is about justice for everyone we cannot get to actual peace positive peace if we're afraid of anger or dismissive of rage, or only address violence as in terms of stopping it, but not thinking about being proactive about how we can make sure it doesn't continue to happen.
Audrey Lloyd also has a piece about anger that is useful for women that I want to read. The title of this piece is The Uses of Anger, Women Responding to Racism, and I will have a link to this in the show notes. So Audrey Lloyd says, any discussion among women about racism must include the recognition and use of anger. This discussion must be direct and creative because it is crucial. We cannot allow our fear of anger to deflect us nor seduce us into settling for anything less than the hard work of excavating honesty. We must be quite serious about the choice of this topic and the angers entwined within it because, rest assured, our opponents are quite serious about their hatred of us and of what we are trying to do here. And while we scrutinize the often painful face of each other's anger, please remember that it is not our anger which makes me caution you to lock your doors at night and to not wander the streets of Hartford alone. It is the hatred which lurks in those streets that urge to destroy us all if we truly work for change rather than merely indulge in academic rhetoric. This hatred and our anger are very different. Hatred is the fury of those who do not share our goals and its object is death and destruction. Anger is a grief of distortions between peers and its object is change. But our time is getting shorter. We have been raised to view any difference other than sex as a reason for destruction and for black women and white women to face each other's angers without denial or immobility or silence or guilt is in itself a heretical and generative idea. It implies peers meeting upon common basis to examine difference and to alter those distortions which history has created around our difference. For it is those distortions which separate us and we must ask ourselves who profits from all of this. So I'm not in community with white women. (laughs) So that part doesn't quite land on me, you know. As soon as I saw a white woman, it was like, ah. But what I get from that piece and what hits for me the most is that I really, really, really like her distinction between hatred and anger. And I think that we have conflated the words hatred and anger. Anger is not the problem. Hatred is the problem. And hatred is the enemy, not anger, not rage. And we have to make sure we do not allow our fear of anger deflect the work we're actually trying to do anger also helps us get to honesty anger always helps us kind of like be real about what the fuck is going on anger is a tool hatred is the thing we need to eradicate in addition to this i read an amazing thread from Maya's world on, on instagram i will link her instagram in the show notes she also has a really good youtube channel that i enjoy she talks a lot about colorism texturism anti-blackness i really fucks with her channel it's so interesting how things just fall in your lap and come to you i am subscribed to mario's youtube channel but i do not have her instagram and then somehow this post of hers just popped up on my feed it's funny how algorithms work because i have been thinking about anger and rage and having this discussion since december so i really like that this fell into my lap because it really really touches how i feel about anger so maya says 
I used to try and heal, quote unquote, heal anger until I realized the most liberating thing is to run with your anger, to let your anger influence your politics and let it radicalize how you show up for others and yourself. Anger is fuel and a lot of the quote unquote enlightened gurus are fueless. It's wild how anti-blackness has convinced us that showing anger is seen as invalid and that we believe those who are spiritually enlightened are always calm and never angry. The most spiritual people I know are tapped and heavy to their anger. Also, spirituality is so binary because of colonialism that we either think someone is an quote-unquote angry person who is consumed by anger or someone is quote-unquote healed and constantly happy and neither is true. Also, let's not forget that because of desirability, some people are always viewed as angry. Binary thinking has us believing anger is only shown through yelling and calmness is shown by speaking soft. And that's a fallacy. Venom has no medium. So first of all, bars, bars to Maya, bars. And I really resonated that because that is how I feel about anger. That's how I feel about rage. And also when she brings in the desirability aspect, there are many times that people perceive me as angry or rageful when I'm dead ass not and I'm not even thinking about you. And I know it's because of how I look and because of how I talk and because of my gesticulation. And for the most part, I'm paying you dust. But because of how I look, I'm always perceived as angry. And that is why I've never cared about being called or perceived as an angry black woman. I've never cared if someone thought that about me because that's what everyone thinks about me anyway. I've never cared about that. I've never tried to make sure I'm likable in these certain ways, or I've never tried to make sure I sound, you know, make your words a little nicer. All of that shit I've never done. I, I wasn't raised to do it because, like I said, of the background that I have. But also when I, as an adult, came into the world on my own and started to make my own distinctions about how I wanted to interact with people in this world, I didn't do that either. Because it doesn't matter what the fuck I do. I am going to be an angry black woman. Whether I try not to be or whether I'm actually angry, that is what's going to happen. I have been in instances where I was fucking silent And bitches thought I was being an angry black woman. And when I'm saying bitches, I'm not even just talking about white motherfuckers. This has happened to me to other black people as well. Because anti-blackness is not something that only white people commit. So I have experienced this. And the world is going to perceive me as angry anyway. So I'm not going to go around tiptoeing to not look angry. And to look like the better person. And to act like I'm not leaning into it. Because it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. So when I'm mad, I'm going to say it. When I'm raging, you're going to know. And when I want to be violent, it's going to happen. I'm not going to run away from... Well, I've never run away from those feelings, to be honest. But I feel more affirmed with not running away from that shit. Because one, like I said, it has kept me safe. And it has kept harmful people away from me. And anger and rage are natural. And they are as equally important as my happiness. So I actually had the idea to discuss anger and rage on a podcast back in December, and I ended up taking a break. But I did tweet to the Mix Vixen followers on Twitter asking them what's their thoughts on rage. And here's some of what 
they shared with me on Twitter. So my exact question was, what's your relationship with rage? Has it been helpful tool in your survival? One person, they said, we are good friends and absolutely. Another, I've been getting acquainted with her little by little. She's a bit of a slippery slope, so I'm trying to get the handle on it. I like this response because I think that we have never been taught to get the handle of it because we're always taught to suppress it, run away from it. People who are, I guess, angry or rageful, like we are told that they are, I'm about to use the ableist term, crazy, nuts, all of that shit. All of that has been tied to anger when it's like, that's not even the same thing. Another person responded by saying that it was bad and to be avoided and that it made you a bad person. I renegotiated a lot of it as an adult, but the best advice came from a priest slash therapist who explained sacred anger to me and who mentioned prophets who moved in anger. Yeah. Rage and anger are emotions that are complex. They come from somewhere as a need for something. I recognize now a lot of times I have felt rage and have moments where my autonomy or humanity was severely disrespected, disregarded, and now I can address it properly. Not all rage is made the same. And being dismissive of it does nothing to address what it is doing. Is it trying to keep you alive? Warn you of danger? Is it a fear response? Is it a fight for love? Addressing that has surprisingly made it disappear for the most part and made the remainder manageable. Surprisingly, alarms or sirens go off a lot less when we accept to see the danger something slash people pose in the times you have been violated. That was a long response, but I actually really like that one. I have another response that says, I was never allowed to show any form of anger as a child, so I kind of forced myself to bottle it up and led me to write things down and take out my anger on video games. <laughs> Another response is, I allow myself to rage. It is cathartic. Oh my God, anger and rage is so cathartic. One thing that I am jealous of with kids is that they are allowed to tantrum, well, sometimes. It's not shunned upon for kids to tantrum, for them to rage, for them to cry, for them to scream. When they feel those things, those are things as adults that we are told to suppress. Like, I can't just, if I just walk down the street screaming, people are like, the fuck is wrong with her? But if I, it's like a two-year-old screaming, then it's like, oh, you know, it's just two-year-old, you know. And I think we do a disservice when, you know, doing that. Like, we need to get that rage out, too. That shit is cathartic. When you finally do scream or punch the wall in some cases or punching bag or you know what they have i want to do this actually i want to do this soon go to those places where you could just like break glass and break plates and that shit is cathartic it's healing to react and get that out and feel it not even get it out just feel it like a lot of us are scared of anger because we have not learned how to pr even fucking process this shit you know and i got a lot of responses another person says rage is my protector and allows me to protect my softer quieter side and protect my peace yes 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 another person says i suppress 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 and i honestly think that is most people they go on to say to the 
point that I only get frustrated or irritated. I tell my mom all the time that I can't be in a relationship because if I'm getting pushed and pushed and pushed in an argument, I don't know how I'll react. Yeah, that speaks to what I said earlier about us not even know how to process our anger. So instead, we just always run from it and avoid it. I, I do think that is an emotion that we should get more acquainted with. And then I'm going to end with this last one. I got a lot. These are so good. Okay, I'm going to do a few more. I got conditioned to swallow down my anger when I was younger for several reasons. Family, hierarchy, being digestible in white spaces. And that pent-up shit led to some serious raise issues during my preteen years. I fed off of it for my survival several times back then, but it was definitely unhealthy because I'll overreact lash out at unnecessary times. I think anger and I have a much healthier relationship now because I don't let it become all-consuming. There's definitely a right and wrong way to be angry. Another person says, it keeps me warm. I've stopped letting it consume me all the time. However, I recognize its purpose and I sit with it when I need to. I feel better for it when it's released as healthy as possible. Okay, I'm going to read two more and then, and then, <laughs> but these are really good. Okay, I'm learning to stop running from it. Sit in and deal with it. Address the root of where the rage is coming from and make the necessary changes. And then the last one is, she's been protecting, soft-spoken me for so many years that I can't imagine life without her. I never got to express my emotions as a child, so growing up, I just suppressed it all, and once it all came out, eventually, I was left alone. I was given peace from people that weren't good for me. I wanted to share that to just give people's different viewpoints and relationships to anger. I didn't want to just give my own relationship or viewpoint on anger. I was trying to vary this, so that's why I brought in Audrey Lloyd, Maya's World, and then also the followers of Mixed Fixin to just put some more ideas in a pot about anger and rage and how we can use it as a tool for liberation, for coping, for liberation on a personal level and a societal level, actually. I'm going to leave this episode giving you five ways to turn your anger into an advantage. I always leave an episode giving you some tips or some tools or something to walk away with. I am all about dismantling all the systems, so the ones on the macro level and the ones on the micro level. So this is obviously one on the micro level. And those five ways to turn your anger into an advantage. Number one is to use anger to flush out repressed emotions. Angry feelings are unpleasant. They don't feel good, but they are necessary. You cannot get to the other end of whatever you're feeling, get to the resolve if you do not fully flush through anger and get it out and address the root of the anger number two is to use anger to reveal your weak spots it does that when people know how to push your buttons it is them fucking with your weak spots they know what gets to you so when you feel that anger that it you will learn things about yourself you learn that there are certain things that I would actually scratch calling them weak spots, but I would call them vulnerabilities and vulnerabilities are fine, but it will reveal to you more of your vulnerabilities so that you can be adequate with reacting when someone pushes your buttons or when someone interacts with their vulnerabilities. Number three, use anger to move out of complacency. This is a big one. This is one that I use because it's very easy for me to 
nah, it's not really easy for me to come be complacent, but I do use anger as a way for me to move out of stuff. Like anger does help shift things for me. Anger does help me kind of see certain things with a fresh eye or a different eye. It does fuel me to change. It does ignite difference. And I'm sure it does that for you too. So use anger to move out of complacency. It also use it as motivation. Anger does that too. Anger can motivate you. Woo! Ain't nothing worse than an angry bitch <laughs> who uses that angry shit to motivate some shit. Okay? That is why revenge, okay? I am not against revenge, all right? In certain ways. I'm not saying busting people's cars out their windows and shit like that. Not that small petty shit. But anger can motivate you to do shit. So I'm going to bring up Kim Forster for For Harriet. I believe she said she started her, don't quote me on this, but I know, I feel like I heard this in an interview somewhere at some point where when she transitioned from blogging to YouTube, one of the reasons was that she had a breakup. And she really wanted this person who broke her heart or whatever to fucking see her face every fucking where. So that anger motivated her to do something different. And then now she has this YouTube channel for 10 years that has been very successful. And then the last thing, number five, and this is the one I fucks with, not the most, but I fucks with it a lot, is use anger to identify the ops, to identify the fakes, to identify the bad actors, to identify the motherfuckers who are not allies, to identify the enemies. Anger flushes that out. Anger that you see that. Because think about the times when, you, when you're, you're calm all the time, you're fine all the time, you're whatever. Everybody likes you, right? But when you're angry, only the people that really fucks with you still like you when you're angry. Still stand beside you when you angry. Still got your back when you angry. The other motherfuckers, they don't know more because they, you know, they was an enemy. They was being fake. They were a bad actor. Anger helps identify them motherfuckers. So that is today's episode. I hope that something that I said today resonated with you, was helpful with you. Don't end this episode and start fucking busting car windows because that was not... <laughs> That was not the goal. That was not the goal. But I do want you to examine and question your relationship with anger. See how it can be useful for you. And then also, maybe if you always lean into anger, maybe see how you can moderate it and make that be something more productive and not be something that leads to negativity so much, you know? But that is this week's episode. That is season three. We did it. We did it. We did it. This episode was produced and hosted by me. Editing and sound design provided by Candice. Thank you, Candice, for the rest of the season. Came in with the clutch. That's how the episodes came, came, came for the Candice. I thank you. This episode was also brought to you by the patrons. Thank you for being a patron. You are a real one. Just all the thanks to the patrons. I will see you next season. Until then, remember you are a bad bitch and you are enough. Stay fly, y'all.